0: All right, well, good morning, Community Alliance Church. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the house today. So glad you joined with us. You've come on a really great Sunday. I'm so glad you're here. It's Baptism Sunday. We're going to enjoy that here in a few moments. But before we do that, we're going to dive back into the series that we've been in recently called Jesus is Greater Than. So if you haven't been with us, let me just get us all caught up. We've been in a series that's called Jesus is Greater Than, and we've been studying a particular book of the Bible called Colossians. Colossians was written by really one of the major characters of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul hears about this little church in the ancient city of Colossae who had recently begun to follow Jesus Christ. They heard about Jesus, this Jewish teacher who went around claiming to be God, but then he proved it by dying and raising again from the dead. And they became so convinced that the story was true that they accepted Jesus as their one and only God and began to follow him with their lives. Well, maybe you've experienced the same thing in your life if you follow Jesus. Some things got a lot better. Other things in their lives got a lot harder. And Paul was writing them a letter to walk them through the changes that Jesus wants to make in their lives and how they can work through that in following him. Today, we're going to be back in Colossians chapter 3 just for a few moments. But before we do that, I want to ask a question. Is there anybody here today who would put your hand up, you'd be willing to acknowledge, you are a list person, You're a list person. Okay, there's no shame here. This is a safe space, all right? I'm I'm admitting it publicly. I am a list person. I want to help you process through this in your own life a little bit. We need need to acknowledge this if this is you. So I have done, guess what? I've created a list of the top five things that can help you know if you love lists as much as I do. Number five, number five is this. You have three or more list apps on your phone. Like, you just keep trying to find list apps until you find the right one, because you know there's the perfect list app out there somewhere. You just haven't found it yet. Number four, number four is this. You have a list of your favorite kind of list. Like, if I asked you what's your favorite kind of list, you'd say bucket list, top ten list, to-do list, grocery list. I like lists so much. I carry list tureen around in my pocket, okay? (laughs) I love lists. Okay, number three. You just get happy when you can put a line through stuff, right? You make a to-do list. You just put stuff on there you know can take three seconds because that line, man, it's like a drug. Whew, feels so good. Number two, I've, I've done this. You've made a list that included a reminder to make a list about something, all right? And the final one, you don't immediately think this tattoo is a bad idea. Like, you see that, and you're thinking, well, I mean, it makes some sense. If I could just get some kind of erasable ink, that would be nice, right? I would never go to the grocery store again and forget what I'm supposed to have. Well, if you're here today, and you're a list person, and even if you're not a list person, I think you can appreciate what the Apostle Paul has been doing here in Colossians chapter 3. If you remember last week, we talked about a list called a vice list, which kind of is what it sounds like. It's a list of sin in our lives to watch out for. The Apostle Paul gave us this list of a number of things to be careful to watch out for in our lives. But if you remember, as we went through the text, we saw that he was really speaking to that there's this source underneath the surface sins in our lives that we really have to watch out for called the self. And if we want to deal with the surface list, we have to reckon reckon with the self or deal with the self inside of us. Now this week, the Apostle Paul is going to give us another list. And in this list, it's the opposite of a vice list. It's actually a virtue list. He's saying, we've talked about the bad things to watch out for. Now let's talk about some of the good things to emulate in your life. So if you have your Bibles, you can join with me in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in verse 12. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there should be a Bible nearby, or you're always welcome to follow along on the screen where we'll put the verses as well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and above all these virtues on the list, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Did you see the list there as we went through? He's listing out these virtues. Now, I think the Apostle Paul was really a closet list person because he gives himself away. Before he even gets into his actual lists, he makes another shorter list. It's like he just couldn't help himself, which to Paul I would say, man, I feel you, bro. Like this is is what he's saying here. Notice the short list. Verse 12, before he gets to the big list, he says, as God's chosen people holy, and dearly loved. It's a shorter list in size, but it's a superior list in significance as he talks about these three things because he's saying, I need you to understand who you are before we're going to talk about what you are to be. He said, I need you to understand who you are in Christ before we're going to talk about what you do as followers of Christ. In verse 12, in this short list that we're going to focus on today, the Apostle Paul is really focusing on their identity. And he's saying that your identity in Christ is going to have a huge impact on your activity in Christ. In fact, here's our big idea. If you remember one thing from today, here's the big idea. Your identity shapes your activity. Identity comes before activity. Your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ shapes all of your activity, all that you do in your life in Christ. Now, this identity shapes activity idea, it, it's really not just a Bible thing. I think when you look around all of life, this is like a human being thing. In fact, a, a person who is really an expert on habits, his name's James Clear. He's a habit expert. He wrote a New York Times bestseller called atomic habits. And he talks about this same idea, not from a biblical perspective, just from a research perspective. And as he studied habits in people, he found this. He writes this in his book. He says, your behaviors are usually a reflection of your identity. In other words, what you do is an indicator of who you believe you are. So when you look at your habits in your life or your activities on the outside, he's saying it's a reflection of really who you believe you are on the inside. He gives a couple of examples in his book. For instance, he says, if, if you... If you want to be a runner, don't think that just going out and running five times a week makes you a runner. You have to view yourself as a runner first. And then once you say, hey, I'm a runner, therefore I'm going to go out and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to train for races. Or he uses an example of, of a musician. Playing a guitar or practicing the guitar number of times a week or getting lessons doesn't make you a musician in other words, you have to view yourself as a your musician, and because that's my identity, that's who I am, I practice and I play in bands and I perform, because that's who I am. I think Paul would agree. But he's using this sort of human principle spiritually, and he's saying, when you look at how you follow Jesus outwardly, you've got to understand that that is shaped by your inward view of your identity. Which is why he starts not with, hey, go do this. He says, hey, this is who you are. Sometimes in our lives we think do, or what we do on the outside, do makes who. But Paul is saying simply, who makes do. Who you are shapes what you do. And then he gives them a list. He says, this is who you are. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you've made him your savior in your life, you followed him, he said, first, you are dearly loved. You are dearly loved. Do you realize as a follower of Jesus Christ, You've received unconditional love because of who Jesus is and who he has created you to be. Think about this. Jesus, if you believe that he is God and that he is all-knowing, he knows every bad thing that you've ever done. He knows every bad thing you're currently doing. He knows every bad thing that you're going to do that you just don't know about yet. He knows bad stuff you've done that you forgot about. If you look around your life and you think about, who's the person in my life who knows me the best, who loves me the most? Well, even that person who loves you the most, they don't know every part of your dark side, but Jesus does. In fact, you can think about it like this. If there was ever a person who could make a case with good hard evidence as to why you are unlovable, it would be Jesus. He has all the dirt. Yet despite knowing that about you, he doesn't make a case for why you are unlovable. He makes the case for why you are absolutely redeemable and in his eyes worthy of unconditional love. He doesn't do it because of you. He does it because of what he did on the cross for us. He went to the cross and said, Nope, I am willing to give my life for that person. They are worthy of my love because of who I am. Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice to prove his love for you. It also says in Paul's text that you are holy. Sometimes when we hear the word holy, we can think of holy rollers or holier than thou, or just holy means doing less bad stuff and more good stuff, but holy actually has another meaning as well. It means really at the heart of it is set apart. Set apart for a special purpose. Growing up, my mom had this red plate in the china cupboard in our dining room. And that red plate was set aside for a special purpose. Most of the year, we could just look at it. We would dare never touch it. But on your birthday, that red plate came out of the cupboard. And we would eat our dinner and then clean it up and eat our cake on the red plate. It was set aside for a special purpose. Jesus sees you the same way. You're not just another plate in the cupboard Replaceable with many others. You are special, designed and created for a special purpose. He created you with the purpose that He has for you in mind. He says, You are holy, you are set apart. When you give your life to Him, He has a purpose for your life. You're not just one of many, you are one of a kind. Finally, He says, You are a chosen people, a chosen people. Elsewhere, Paul uses the word adopted to describe what it means to be a chosen people. My wife and I, we have two biological children. I love my children very, very much. I tell them regularly if I had the choice of any other two kids in the world, I would still pick them. And I mean it most of the time. (laughs) But think about how special adoption is. With my two biological children, we wanted children, but my wife and I, we really just rolled the DNA dice, didn't we? Like, whatever we had was what we got. We didn't have any choice. I have more choice over what I get on my sandwich than what children I got. But when you're adopted, you're chosen. Before you even knew you wanted Jesus, he said, I want him. I want, I want her. I'm picking her. Adoption means that you are chosen into the family of God. You were loved before you even gave that love back. Jesus had a choice. He didn't have to choose you. But he said, no, I would never do that. I I want him. I want her. And so that means that no matter what your earthly family looks like, whether it's something on this day that you celebrate or something that is disappointing and hard, you, if you follow Jesus Christ, you have been adopted into a spiritual family where you are loved, and where you are chosen. And Paul is saying to the Colossians church, he's saying to us, Church, this is your identity. This is who you are. And it's out of this identity that we live our lives for Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of the understanding that shapes our activity. In just a few moments, we're going to have some of our church family who are going to get in this water in front of me, and they are going to celebrate and identify with Jesus publicly. They've already made this decision in their lives, they've already given their lives to Jesus, but now they're going to stand up here publicly and say, my identity is in Jesus Christ. But before we do that, I want to ask you, where, where does your identity come from? As much as we celebrate our moms today, ladies, I want you to know that your identity is not in how many children you have been able to have, or how many children you've not been able to Jesus is your identity. And dads, your identity is not in your children either. It's not in how well they can shoot a puck, kick a ball, or make a basket. Your identity is in Jesus. And kids, your identity is not in whether your parents showered you with love or whether you felt like your experience at home was a desert with no love at all. You have a spiritual family where your identity is found in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never said, I want to identify with Christ. You have a long list of places you've tried to find your identity, like your career or your money, your possessions, your relationships, who you date, your sexuality, your mistakes, your failures. You say, that's my identity. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your identity has to be found in me. In fact, I want to ask you just around the room, just bow our heads together, close our eyes. Even though we're all together in one space, I want to give everybody privacy as much as we can. And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ and said, I, I want to find my identity in you? I've tried to find my identity in many different places that left me feeling like an imposter, but I, I, Jesus, today I want you want You. I want what the people in this baptismal tank have. I want a relationship with you. If that's you, I want to invite you just where you're sitting to give your life to Jesus. I'll, I'll give you some words. It's not the power of the words that I'm going to say, but these words can help lead you in a prayer that expresses what's in your heart. So with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to say, if you would want to give Jesus your life, you can just pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I want my identity in you. I want to know who I am in you. I want to be your child. I ask that you will forgive my sin. Thank you for your death on the cross. I place my belief and my trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In just a few moments, we're going to celebrate the fact that seven people in our church family have placed their faith in Jesus as we celebrate baptism together. Before we do that, though, if you're able, I want to invite you to stand. Let's worship Jesus who gives us our identity together as a church family.